Hey, just want to give you a heads up. The start clip of this a podcast episode has a little bit of a blip to it for the first few minutes. Um, it's still listenable. It gets better as the episode goes on and, and we eliminate it totally. Just want to let you know that. But we decided to leave it in just so we have the whole episode intact so you get all the information you need. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thanks. Welcome to Life by and Beer, a podcast about beer by Iron Horse Brewery out of Ellensburg, Washington. And uh, we got a fun show for you today. Lots of great topics. We're going to be talking about old slash aged beers, talking about flights, talking about celebrity beer bars. I think it's a fun one today. Uh, joining me, we have my co-host, Sabrina. Hello. Say hello to the five people. Howdy. And we also have back again on the podcast, Wes. One of those girls. Which is awesome. Wes brought a really fantastic beer we're going to have a little bit later in the program, too. Going over that aged beer thing. Uh, you don't have to. Unless you want. It's up to you. Fine, I'll leave it open. <laughs> Uh, we're recording in the uh, marketing office today, so uh, people are still at work. It's going to be fun. This works, but a lot of people do this. They, they do these things with their place of business and have weird things happen in the background. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, but to kick off, you know, we always drink a beer, and uh, we're talking about old slash age beers. Uh, I found this under my desk. Uh, it is Whale's Tail Pale Ale from Cisco Brewers in Nantucket. Fresh, it's one of my favorite beers, but uh, it had a uh, sticker on the top. I received this beer personally in November, so I don't know exactly the lineage of it. But it had a sticker on the top, canned on March 7th, 2017, so almost one year ago. And it has a date on the bottom of November 7th, 2016, which uh, makes this beer older than the um, current presidential administration. Uh, so let's, I guess we'll give it a shot, open it up, give it a taste, try it out. Well, I've never had this beer fresh, but I imagine it's gotten a bit more bitter <laughs> over time. <laughs> definitely, you can taste the uh, kind of a the, the alcohol profile a lot more. Kind of give it a wine kind of profile. Well, the first thing let's, I, go, to the, let's go to the brewer's perspective. First thing I smelled when I opened it up was uh, malt flavors, and uh, well, that's not necessarily bad. Uh, probably, especially from an American pale ale, not the only thing you want to be able to smell. Um, if you kind of look at what happens to hop forward beers over time, especially with American hops that have high alpha acid content, a lot of uh, a lot of the flavor and aroma uh, degrades relatively quickly. You know, a lot of people say that best uh, time frame to have a hop forward beer in is the first two or three months. And so this is definitely past that point. Uh, I'd say close to all of the hop flavor and aroma seems to be uh, pretty well degraded. And also, especially with high alpha acid hops, that bitterness degrades pretty quickly too. And you have to start looking out for things like uh, oxidized compounds that give you flavors like wet cardboard and stuff like that. Which this doesn't have a whole lot of, but the hot flavor is definitely Gone. super low. Yeah, and it's like not, kind it's of not there anymore. Yeah, there's nothing there. 
Brenna, how you doing over there? You're making quite a face. It's a... Uh, <laughs> That's expected. You know. It's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A little better stuff. But anyway, uh, this came to us... This topic came up because, uh, you know, we search, we search the beer Reddit out there. That's where we get a lot of ideas. And uh, Wrench Spoon had the question. He left an 18-pack of Modella in his car for two months, and he was wondering if it was still good. And that was in, uh, he was in Los Angeles, where it's been was pretty cool lately in 60s and 70s, but occasional days of 90 to 105. So he was wondering if that beer was still good. Um, Probably not. My take on that is it actually has a, probably a better chance than uh, a craft beer would. Uh, one big difference between uh, macro lagers and most craft beers is that those lagers get uh, pasteurized. Right. So they're pretty stable. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be exactly the same, but I d- you're also starting with a relatively low bar. So it's not like, oh man, I had this great beer and now it's awful. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, and I wonder too, was it like under the seat or was it light struck? Like- Let's see. Let's see. Uh, beer's been in the shade the whole time. It was boxed up and hidden partially under his seat. So yeah. it has a better chance, I guess. There you go. Shade. Yeah. If it was in cans versus bottles. Definitely. 18 pack leads me to think cans. Yeah. So that does at least limit okay. some of the light factor there. Sure. And we talked about on our previous episode of our old podcast, Light and Air and all that. Um, obviously, the big factors. That's why cans. It's cans over bottles, at least in my experience. Uh, any thoughts on that? Cans versus bottles? I think you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> cans over bottles because it protects it from, from light and from oxygen a lot better. Yeah, I'd say in general, cans are a better, or I don't even want to say better, but as far as uh, oxidation and things like that go, uh, they're probably a safer bet for most beers. You know, there's obviously some specifics like uh, headspace and things like that, um, even within the cans and the seams and all that. But in general, I'd say it's a safer bet. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. <laughs> have it. Terrible old beer. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, I figured I'd try it. I knew it would be terrible. I've had worse. I had to go. I think, we've all, I think we've all had worse. <laughs> I mean, I think but if I let it sit, it would become very barley wine-esque. <laughs> Not in a great way. But <laughs> um, so we want to try your aged beer. So we have a better example of that. Yeah, if we want to, if we're going to just go with this whole topic of aging and old beer right now, uh, I have a couple more things I could throw out there. Do you want to pour that first or do you want to keep talking? No, go for it. If you want to pop it open. All right, so let's uh, let's pour our next beer. We'll take a short break and uh, we'll be back with more Life Behind Beer right after this. Hey, this is Alex from Life Behind Beer. Are you tired of your normal St. Patrick's Day parades followed by Guinness pints and a dark bar you don't visit any other time of year? Get out of the rut and head on out to Iron Horse Brewery's St. Paddy's Day Half K. You heard that right, a half K at 3.1 miles. It's the longest, shortest race of your life. Join with live music, fun for the whole family, and of course, delicious Iron Horse beer. All for a great cause, fighting hunger in the community. Join us March 10th in Boise, Idaho, or the big day, March 17th in Ellensburg, Washington. For tickets, more details, and surprises, check out paddyon.com. That's P-A-D-D-Y-O-N.com. And I hope to see you there. 
Welcome back, Life My and Beer. Uh, if you joined us earlier, we were drinking uh, some very old pale ale from Nantucket. But uh, we got another beer, but this is more designed to be aged. And I'm going to have Wes here take it through it because he brought it. It's his contribution to the podcast. This is a bottle of Schneider Aventinus. It's a German Weizenbach. And so pretty high alcohol content. And think of it kind of a cross between a German wheat beer and a strong German Bach beer, pretty much. And this is uh, kind of the, there's two standard versions of it. There's kind of a paler version of Weizenbox. And this is more of the darker version of those Bites and Bucks. And this is a bottle from 2008. And a lot of the time what they do is they'll brew a batch of this and then they'll actually hold on to it for about three years before they release it. And I've had this for about three years. So there's a four-year period in between them having it and me having it. But I bought it at a beer store in Chicago that was pretty reputable. Nice. I'd say overall it's uh, been kept pretty well. Yeah, and it comes in that nice uh, paper wrapping to keep the light out as we were talking about. So yeah, they're doing some work on it. I didn't forget it in my car underneath the seat or anything. Like <laughs> no. Do you, have a, do you have a proper cellar at home? Do you have like a like kind of a space that's like this is the temperature and things like that? Uh, the best I've got is a little closet. Yeah. And uh, compared to the rest of my apartment, it that is pretty stable temperature and it's dark. Yeah. So. I have the same thing where I have like a cabinet that's like, do not open this cabinet under any condition. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's pretty, it's out of light's way and things like that. Mm-hmm. So For anyone try, interested you know. who wants to actually try to hold on some beer for any length of time, let's say temperature, light exposure, and are both important. Almost even more important than the actual temperature is temperature variability. So you don't want huge swings in temperature wherever your beard's Exactly. Yeah, that's the important part. Um, I have a friend in Portland who has a house down there, and uh, in his basement, he has probably the most glorious beer cellar I've ever seen. It's like got its own door. It's like wall ceiling shelves, and it's like Fancy. temperature control. It's, it's amazing. And it's like when you go in there, he's like, I can only have like one or two people in here at a time. I don't <laughs> want the temperature to fluctuate too much. But it's uh, it's a pretty amazing room. Um, but yeah. Uh, so this the- is ten years old, and I'd say you could at this point argue whether it's finely aged or if it's too old yeah i'd be curious what both of you think of it if you well, like, I like it the, i like the nose it's got a very strong boozy nose as expected but it doesn't smell like in the last one kind of offensively boozy it smells correct i think it's got kind of a tangy tangy aroma to it like almost a tart aroma but but like, it doesn't I like that the booziness the doesn't translate into the liquid itself. It doesn't taste like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, uh, no, it tastes, it's probably just maybe a hair, but just very close to being the right, yeah. the right time for it. As far as yeah. uh, the tangy tart thing you were saying to me, you're thinking like fruit? Yeah, like almost like sour cherries or something. Okay. But it doesn't, it doesn't come through in the flavor at all, really. From what I've heard, uh, kind of the good time frame for this beer is kind of four to five years is where most people seem to like it. But it still seems to hold up now. And if you like more of those almost dessert wine kind of flavors, kind of sherry, things yeah. like that, a little bit of nuttiness, then 
you could hold on to it for this long. Yeah, I think I think if yeah, if you went in that direction, you go. I mean, I was telling a story while we were opening it. Uh, I was at a friend's house in Massachusetts, and his a boss of his or somebody had given him a bottle of 1994 Triple Bock from Samuel Adams that it had, and but this was five years ago so we finally opened it so it was about 20 years old at that point and it was definitely past it's it's prime it was like a treat to have but it was, at that point it tasted like leather and, and soy sauce so you know, there's yeah. definitely points to beer won't age forever you know it's not like a chateau lafitte that'll sit there for 50 years you know? yeah <laughs> i don't want to get too far off on a tangent because i could probably talk for quite a while about i mean that's what we do but about <laughs> the, the whole topic of aging beer versus just old beer and stuff like that and how to properly age uh a really great reference for anyone who's interested in looking more into the topic uh there's a book out there called vintage beer by patrick dawson and really solid book it's not that long of a read but it has a lot of good information as far as what are the best kinds of beer for aging and and what happens to beer while it's aging it's not it gets a little bit into the kind of chemical side of what's actually going on, which is interesting, at least I think so. So it's a great book to check out if it's a topic you're interested in and if you want to try to age some beer. Nice. Do you have any aged beer, Sabrina? Do you, do you do I'm that at all? not patient enough to age beer. <laughs> <laughs> the oldest thing in my uh, kegerator right now is a two-month-old crowler that I need to decide the fate Two of. months is probably fine. I mean, <laughs> 90 days, I think it's kind of like a cutoff point for most. You know? Yeah. yeah At least as far as official shelf life. Things. Yeah. And that even depends on the kind yeah. of beer, but it, especially if there's uh, any Peanut hot. butter stout? <laughs> yeah, that's not great too notion. bad. Great <laughs> notion. probably... Actually, stout can age longer. It but it's in a crowler. That's still okay, though. I think that's fine, yeah. yeah. I mean... It, it once again kind of comes down to the machine you're dealing with and how much oxygen is in that can and all that kind of stuff but it's there's worse uh packaging out there yeah, yeah. totally no doubt um i mean for me sometimes sometimes i go the other way i i hold on to things just a little too long <laughs> no. or lose them in my refrigerator <laughs> that's my other my other guilty thing i'll be like shoving things in and be like then i'll come back and it'll be like what's in my fridge oh that's that's oh. that's not good <laughs> oh, still in there that's a triple ipa that's gonna be terrible oh, no. <laughs> and there's also i i come have those same problems as well alex and there's some experimentation within aging beer sometimes you just don't know you can make your best guess on what the kind of beer is and what you where you have to store it but sometimes things go wrong and sometimes things go right yeah you never know I mean that's the beauty and also it depends on the brewery itself because some beers are super clean when they're packaged others have uh, a reasonable amount of organisms in them that start doing stuff that you didn't expect so yeah no I do have like I have a sour I have a session sour that I've had a while that I'm kind of excited to see what happened to it because I know there'll be all kinds of crazy things going yeah. on in that can and then Funky there, fresh. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Any other, any other thoughts out there? On, on aged beers, old beers? 
Well, overall, Mr. Modelo guy, you'll be fine. Yeah. That's the bottom yeah. line on yours. I think so. You'll Don't be fine. Don't beer in your car. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best. But if, but if you do, make it a pasteurized macro. There you go. Good choice. <laughs> we wrap that. All right. Uh, we'll stick on this one because we're drinking this. We'll, we'll open beer three versus top above before topic three. But uh, another topic that came up was flights. Um, you know, you know. last week we talked about tap rooms, but not about the beer. Now we'll talk about actual drinking the beer um want to know if you guys have rituals when you do a flight a certain way you go through it is there like an official way to do it um you know you you probably have it yeah went down in our tap room yeah we you guys have a certain like training of like this is so it's a pretty yeah. in-depth training uh for flights in the in the iron horse tap room um I have to study quite a lot for it when I got hired, actually. Um, but we line up. You get to choose six of our taps. Um, and we have ten taps. One's a cider tap, though. Um, if you order a flight at the pub. I think we're moving to four. You could do four, four or six. six. And that's going to be kind of cool because flights can be tedious when they all come in at once. Um, but, yeah, with the flights, we uh, let you choose your, your beers, your six of them or your four. And then we'll line them up um, from kind of lightest, you know, least assertive flavors um, to, and they usually end on Irish death, which is our, our darkest, most assertive, most, uh, most everything beer. <laughs> um, and then when we do the flights um, at Iron Horse, um, we're supposed to walk the customer through each beer and kind of describe it for them and, you know, let them know what it's going to, what it's going to um, entail. And I like that part of it. I think it's very educational um, and it helps us connect with our guests a lot better. I've been to several tasting rooms where I've ordered a flight and they basically just flop it down in front of you and walk away. And I, I find that a little bit of, like, it hurts my feelings. I'm like, but I want you to tell me what I'm about to drink. But I guess I'll choose my own adventure. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, in-depth. And I loved that article you sent us about flights. Some of the coolest uh, glassware I've ever seen for flights was in that thing. They were using like beakers and like all kinds of little mugs and funny things like that. I love fancy glassware though. So yeah, flights are fun. Well, so most of the things I have to say about them are going to be about kind of how you should uh, pick the order, or not pick, but how the people at the tap room should put together the order of the flight. And when I was looking up a couple uh, articles and blogs about what people were saying, I was kind of surprised in a bad way how much this uh, tip is still out there. It's even on beer blogs and things like that, I saw a lot of people saying, uh, put the flight in order of color. I see and that a lot. I, just so people know, don't do that. No. What if you <laughs> don't have like, do that at all? What if you have like a dark lager? Like that's, that's you're a, not gonna put that at the, the end. That's a great example. <laughs> Think about like a, a Schwarzbier. Yeah, Dunkel. And then like a triple IPA. Yeah. Triple IPA might be lighter, but I can guarantee you don't want to drink that before the Schwarzbier. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so the most important thing is intensity and that goes for intensity of both aroma and tastes and mouthfeel, alcohol, carbonation, all of those things. I'd say this is one of the few areas where 
taste is maybe more important than aroma because if you have one very intense taste, like a really sweet beer, and then uh, very low intensity, maybe like Session IPA that has just a little bit of bitterness, obviously you're going to want to put the lower intensity one before the higher intensity one. And also, even within, so I'd, I'd use that as kind of a starting point for, and like I said, most of these points I'm making, people behind the bar should know these things. I'm not expecting just everyday consumer to know these kind of things. But, so using intensity as a starting point is a good place to begin, I think. And then from there, you can start looking at different intensities and bit like bitter, sour, and sweet are kind of the main three tastes we're dealing with in beer. And some of them work better before others. So for instance, really sweet beers are probably better later in a flight because that sugar really has a mouth coating quality that's kind of hard to cleanse off of your palate. If that makes any sense. No. Yeah, totally. And whereas like sour, acidic tastes and bitter tastes are kind of more of a cutting quality. They kind of cut through richer things, and they're not so much mouth uh, coating. Uh, they don't have that same characteristic as sweetness does. So between bitter and sour, I'd say there's a little bit more wiggle room. But if you think about the length, not at, after intensity, if you have to think about the length of tastes, then I'd say in general, bitterness sticks around longer on the palate than sourness does. You know what I mean? You have a, say you have a really bitter beer, that bitterness can stick with you for quite a while after you've finished having a sip of that beer. Sourness can do that, but not to that extreme, it seems like. So, with it, after you've already dealt with kind of lower intensity beers first to higher intensity, then I'd start looking at maybe trying to do within the same kind of range of intensities, doing sweet or sour things, bitter things, and then sweet things. But then you also have to think about intensity, like I was saying, with alcohol and carbonation. So obviously, Higher ABV beers generally want after lower ABV beers. Now there's exceptions with everything, but that's a pretty good thing to keep in mind as well. And even within the kind of the same range of intensity of beers, you can start thinking of things like uh, mouthfeel and body. So if you have two beers that are relatively similar in other things, but one is pretty light-bodied and another, say, has some amount of wheat in it and has kind of a fuller body, then maybe you want to put that second as far as those two are concerned. That's, there you go. that's a good way to start. That's I a, yeah, I mean, the that's... art of flights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. We might, uh, we might cut that out and just put, just put that, just put that somewhere for, uh, for our customers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's the same way, you know, if I'm going to, let's say, good example is Boneyard and not sampling their beers. I'm going to start with RPM, you know, color's not going to matter because most of them are IPAs. They have mm. some other styles, but they're known for their IPAs. They do and, you know, But obviously, I'm going to start with an RPM and I'm going to finish with a Notorious triple IPA. I'm not going to go start with a Notorious and blow up my palate, you know, in, in regards of that. And, and, you know, it's also, it's also good to... 
you know, it also depends on whether it's your first time there, whether it's your tenth time there. You know, if I go. So yeah, um, Irish Death would definitely not be on there because I've had it so many times. But there are people that you know come in there and they have to have it because yeah. it's their favorite. It's, it's, yeah, it's or, the way they go. You know, if they don't, if they don't want to have an IPA, four of our taps at Iron Horse right now are IPA taps, and because uh, we're piloting IPAs and we're putting out a lot of IPA right now. But people who come in and don't want IPA, they'll double up on Irish Death or they'll double up on the the light rail or the five hundred nine instead of getting any of the IPAs at all. That'll change in April. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you have one more point? Yeah, left. one more point. I'd say especially in instances like that where there's a lot of one kind and maybe a lot of them are somewhat similar uh, is people's perception versus just the numbers on the beer. So say you're dealing with a few different beers that have very similar IBUs and ABV and things like that. Starting to look at maybe one has a little bit more malt character to it. And so even if say you have two IPAs, one's a little maltier than the other, even if they have the same IBU, uh, just the way our brains work, the one that has a little bit more malt character is actually going to seem less bitter. And I should say not just malt character, but sweetness. Because that sweetness uh, changes our perception of that bitterness, and it actually kind of balances it out in the sense that it seems a little less bitter. And that's just kind of how our sensory systems and brain work. So as the person behind the bar, especially, I think keeping that in mind when you're dealing with, say, a bunch of IPAs, kind of starting to think uh, within that overarching intensity rule, thinking, okay, if this has a little bit more sweetness, and even though they're the same IBU, then maybe it's going to seem a little less bitter. So what can I do about that? And uh, Keeping that in consideration as well. Nice. Yeah. No, there's definitely nothing better than... than I mean, I'm a big flight guy. Um, I rarely go... If I'm going to a new bar, I, I won't get a full pint unless that's all they do. You know, like Holy Mountain, all they do is half for full full pours. They don't do flights. Um, but, you know, that's the way they work. But, you know, if I can get a flight, I'll do it. Or if I can get, you know, four-ounce pours out of, you know, a beer bar, I'll, I'll go that way. You know, do you have a certain tactic when you when you go into a new a new spot? If I go to a new brewery, I always ask for the flight. Um, if I go to tap takeovers, I always ask for the flight because I want to try as many of the different things that are there as I can before my time is up. So, um, but I usually get a pint after my flight too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the way to go. Then you can figure out what you really like and right, have yeah. more of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. If there's something I like, you know, I'll be like, okay, I'll have a full one of those. Yeah. You yeah. Know. My main strategy is asking what they like and saying, what do you recommend? And especially when it's the people that work there, they know the beer best. So, and that also goes back to Sabrina's point about just the value of knowledgeable taproom staff, especially when it comes to putting together flights and doing it right and being able to explain to someone why they put it in this order and all about the beer and all that, so. Yeah, knowledge is power. <laughs> we try to do it. It's sometimes hard. Learn on the fly. Oh, this is here today. Great. What, what do we got? Yeah. yeah, I'm out there, but you know. And as the people working at the brewery, I'd say, you know, try stuff out. Experiment. If you have some beers that are kind of fall in those same categories, if you put them in a flight, you know, switch stuff around and see what works best. Awesome. 
Uh, all right, I think we'll move on to beer number three and topic number three. Uh, so we'll be back right more with uh, more great stuff on Life Behind Beer. Hey, this is Alex of Life Behind Beer. Uh, the pub at Iron Horse Brewery located at 412 North Main Street in Ellensburg, Washington. I'd like to remind you that Mug Club signups have started on March 1st and will continue out the month. Uh, for a membership fee of $100, you get the following cool stuff. You get a custom engraved mug of that's uh, 20 ounces with your name on it and storage spot at the pub. And I'll also have our fun logo. You can fill that mug for only five bucks of anything we have on tap. That's anything in the shop. And uh, you get an exclusive Mug Club t-shirt, 10% on swag and glassware, and uh, $2 off pint growler cards. Uh, discounted entries into all of our fun events. You can come join us at our parties. Discounts on kegs, discounts on cases. Really, if you love beer, you should be a member of our Mug Club. Why the hell not? So come in today, buy your membership. It is one hundred dollars, um, and uh, you get cool stuff. So that's it. Back to our show. Everything's still on. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Life Behind Beer, and uh, we're up to our third beer for the podcast, and uh, it's one of ours. We're doing one of ours now. Woohoo! For better or for worse. So yeah, uh, our podcast we called it Life Behind Beer a little bit because we have a beer we did last year. It was a seasonal, and now it's one of our year-round offerings called Life Behind Bars, uh, and uh, it just hit the canning line today. So opposite the whale's tail we drank that we don't know when exactly it was processed. This is processed extremely fresh. I don't, it really doesn't get much fresher than, than this no, as far as available <laughs> consumption. Uh, Wes, did you have a hand in brewing brewing this batch of Lifeline? Lifeline yeah. Bars? And, Want to talk, talk uh, us about it a bit? Well, one thing that might be interesting to some people is that uh, the recipes change just slightly. We used to have a bittering hop edition at the beginning of the boil. That's been dropped completely. All right. So this is all late edition hops. Nice. Like, is it, I like it. I, I mean, I think it's super clean. I don't drink that. I mean, we had that same 76 last week, kind of a similar thing going on. Um, this also has a unique fermentation uh, parameters compared to the, all of our other beers. Uh, yeah, let us know. It's give us the deep Kolshi. Uh, I'm gonna go. With, I appreciate that there's the Y in there because <laughs> I am somewhat of a style person, and I, I believe also legally it has to have the Y in there because it's not from well, Germany, right? I don't know. The thing is, if we were in Europe and we call it a Kolsch, yeah, we'd probably get in trouble. Yeah, here in the U.S. We could probably, it's we can a little get bit of a gray it. area. Uh, it's the same thing like with champagne. There's right. California winemakers that yeah. call their wine champagne, and they get away with it. But if they were in Europe somewhere, yeah. they're not no. locked down. Anyways, I really like, as I think I mentioned last time I was here, I really am a huge fan of true Kolsch. But this is also a great beer. It's light-bodied. Um, it has nice light malt flavors, you know, that kind of crisp, crackery kind of flavor you get from a lot of those lighter malts. Uh, I'm pretty sure we use some Pilsen malt in here, which is a classic malt for light of this kind of lighter colored, lighter bodied beers. And it adds a lot of those nice cracker, fresh bread kind of qualities to it. And the late edition hops, I'd say 
once again, everything about this is low intensity, easy drinking, but the late edition hops do add some nice hop flavor to it. Yeah, it gives well. it a gives it a you know the complexity that, that kind of yeah. sets it apart, I think, yeah. a little bit. I mean I'd you know. be almost more curious what you both think of it than I do. That's I right. Know about That's true, you know it inside and out, that's fine. <laughs> so uh you want to go? You want to go first or second? I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. I'll go first. All right. So if I was to make a flight of the beers that we <laughs> we've drank today, this would be the Dang first it together. one. I love. <laughs> I was going to say, definitely did not go in correct flight order with the beers we've been drinking. Um, no, we we went in the well. We kind of started out okay, but not because if it was not aged for however long it sat there. Weizenbach to Kolsch style beer. It's a, so it's it's extra light to me. But well, I, I mean, I'm going to float the river with this. Beer. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, this is the... You want to session after... Oh, they changed the text. But anyway, you know. <laughs> so they do say put it at the end on the can. But, you know. Put it at the end? <laughs> yeah, you want to session after whatever bars you're into, I guess. Uh... You know. This is your. Uh, there's another description that said, well, after your hard night of drinking or whatever, there's there's a, there's a <laughs> version of copy of that. It was like, after you've gone to the bar, drink one of these. Anyway. Or go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. Rage till dawn. That's how that goes. Just keep it going. Too old for this. Just keep it going with lifeline bars. Anyway, uh, no, I think it's great. Uh, I definitely like the. Um, Kind of the the multi the maltiness of it that that dough crackery kind of feel of it the mouth feels good it's, yeah it stays it's dry but it has malt flavor mm-hmm. for sure yeah I mean it's definitely you know like I said we drank Sam seventy sixth last week which is kind of Sam Adams trying to get into this whole market area and um, it was good it was very refreshing I think this is more. This is tastier. It definitely has more complex taste to it, which is more appealing. I would buy appealing. this before I'd buy Sam. Right, yeah. Not just not just because we're here, you know. It's, it's local, <laughs> right. but I think it's quite different. Coming from Ellensburg and Cincinnati. I mean, it's definitely a different beer. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, for, I'm the marketing guy. I got to go from, you know, I gotta, there's Sam 76 on the shelf. There's Life by Bars uh, yeah. on the shelf. Why should you pick Life by Bars? <laughs> 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 you out there in radio land. Uh, of course. Uh, uh. <laughs> I will say, I think... I think I started saying this and then stopped, but uh, it has a different fermentation parameter than most of our right, beers. Yeah. Uh, it starts at a lower temperature, but then over the course of several days, it kind of slowly ramps up hmm. from that lower temperature to a more standard ale fermentation temperature. Is that is that... Now, why why does it go in at a lower temperature? Is that because of how it's brewed, or is that that's uh, mostly because of the qualities that you're trying to get? So, in a in a standard uh, Kolsch, what's happening is that you're kind of having an ale fermentation, but then it goes through a lagering process, which that just means like a long cold conditioning process. So. We don't have the capacity or ability to hold on to a beer in our tanks for, you know, four weeks. That just would not work. There's no way to do that. Uh, We need to move beer through there faster than that. And so we're trying to figure out how can we get that hybrid fermentation quality without uh, holding beers and tanks for that long. And I know in past batches 
there was beer that was let ferment at a cooler temperature for like a couple weeks and things like that. And there was a little bit of experimentation, but this kind of fermentation ramp up from a lower temp to a higher temp was kind of settled on as the best way to get that quality of the crisp lager uh, mouthfeel that you want with that with still like the ester profile of like an ale and uh but all wrapped up in that really light beer that is flavorful but easy drinking and crisp and so we're able to do that within within less than a week now compared to what like i said uh kolsch made uh in germany is gonna be in their cellars for weeks right so and i think the result's still pretty good right yeah i'd say it's tasty it's although tasty. i had the same problem with sam adams because i had started my night with the double rainbow last time your palate's just, just like <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing what are you Leave doing lady oops i'm gonna break something with that's my right yeah, <laughs> so yeah to finish in the night with a light beer. <laughs> All right. Um, to tie into our next category, uh, the slogan on the can does say ride or die. Of course, that's uh, Rough Riders, DMX. But another hip-hop legend, uh, Ludacris, has opened a beer bar in uh, Hartsfield-Jackson Airport called named after one of his albums, Chicken and Beer. Um, Which sounds fantastic. Looks like it's going to be a great place <laughs> if you're flying through Atlanta Airport. Um, but the question I want to put out there is if um, which celebrity would you like to see would you like to go to if they opened a beer bar oh man and this is a question I'm really glad you provided me ahead of time there you go yeah I had to think of this can I say <laughs> yeah. one little thing yeah, yeah sure go, of funny. course same. I lifted the uh, article that you linked to yeah and I made me laugh because in the picture for his restaurant called chicken and beer Ludacris had a bottle of wine right next to it. Of course. Really? It's a bottle of champagne. It's a man. You gotta do it right. That's super funny. Anyways. That's it. That's yeah, I don't think thing. there's any beer in that photo. There's liquor and there's, there's champagne. Is there chicken? It's okay, though. No, there's no chicken in that chicken? photo. Well, that's just false advertising. Uh, um, if I was going to open a craft beer bar with any celebrity, it would be Obama. Former President Barack Obama, because he bought a homebrew system for the White House. He's super go. into beer, and he's got it's a true. whole line of uh, like what did they honey ales that he did. Uh, I found the recipes yeah, they're online the bees from the White House lawn, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. And I just think he's a pretty chill dude, and it might be fun to hang out with him and drink beer. Nice. That's that's what I would pick. What uh, <laughs> what beers do you think would be on on tap at? What, what would you call it? What would the name be? Oh, and what would be on tap? Curveball. Oh, man. I was yeah. not prepared. I threw you out. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Hang on. I need a few minutes. All right. Let's, let's listen to Wesley. All right. Celebrity. Wesley, you pick and, and you think about <laughs> it. So this might be kind of a, a slight cop out, but we'll see what you okay. think. Uh, I would want to go into business with someone, not only because they're a celebrity, because they had either a skill or a passion about it, 
that would contribute something to it as well. So I was thinking maybe like a celebrity chef like Gordon Ramsay, or I'm a wine guy as well, so maybe like a celebrity winemaker and kind of throw something interesting in there, see what happens. So I'd probably go that route. I'll, you know what? Just so we have something to work with, I'll say Gordon Ramsay. All right. All right. More traditional route, but I, I respect it. He may have one in Vegas already. I don't know. That might but already does he have a restaurant or a beer bar? He might have a beer bar. Really? I wouldn't be surprised. But I know he at least has a burger bar. I don't know. You know okay, I've heard of that. I haven't yeah. heard of a beer Maybe. bar. I think uh, I do know that Robert, uh, Robert Irvine is opening a beer bar in the Tropicana. Okay, I'd also I know that's happening. I'd also go for Anthony Bourdain. He'd be oh, another funny guy to do. That is true. <laughs> His tap list would probably be crazy ridiculous. There's a ton of celebrities with uh, craft beer, like yeah. festivals. I mean, like, I know Farrell does it now. I guess. Right, and then festival. we did. You know, there was uh, we were. It got changed, so we didn't do it. But there was the No Effects Punk and Drublick Festival that was in. Seattle and Boise. Mm-hmm. I want to go to that. And they had it last year. What? I don't know if it's coming back again or not. But they they lost their, their liquor license, got screwed up, so they didn't oh, get to the, the craft beer part in Seattle was not as big, but it was good in Boise. So they got a ready price for Boise. So. I've been to Boise. But yeah, and they brewed a beer with. Uh, who did they brew that beer with? Okay. I can't remember, but they brewed a beer the, with somebody. I had the beer a couple yeah. like last year when I was in Seattle at Chuck's Top Shop. Pretty good. Makes sense. I was in the markets. Um, So, anyway, we're on to me, I guess, right? Uh, My choice, my choice is going to be ridiculous, but it's my childhood baseball idol, uh, Wade Boggs, who allegedly drank, uh, I think it was 88 88 cans of Miller Lite on a cross country flight once (laughs) and apparently could pack them away. So I would want to do something crazy with him. And, and they that, gave that him legacy. 88 cans of beer on the Apparently he brought, a case, he brought them on board with Isn't there like a... That's super illegal. It's, a, it's the Reds. <laughs> it's a baseball. It's Logan Airport. It was night, It was like the late 80s, so, you know, it was easier oh, okay. to like, get in there. Everybody know. broke the law in the late yeah, 80s. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. Isn't there a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? There is. Yeah, there's always sunny episode about that. So I think a, way, I think a restaurant with Wade Boggs. Apparently also eats fried chicken, I think, before he put it to bat, so it would be more chicken and beer. Something like that, but something having to do with that legacy, and you can go there and just start pounding Miller Lights. I think it'd be, it'd be hilarious. Uh, my pick. And I, I don't know. So wait, I'll throw the, your question back at you. What would the name of the place be? Uh, cross country eighty-eight, <laughs> and it would have 88, 88 beers on tap. There That's you no go. Nice. You're in marketing. And if You're you drink, to name and if you drink all eighty-eight, you'd get a T-shirt with Wayne Box's picture on it. See, I already got it. Nice. Man. Wait, we just got to sign contracts. <laughs> we can do it in Tampa Bay where you live. We'll, we'll work that out. We'll get Cigar City on board. Yeah, and then we get Cigar City. We got Canarchy. That opens up to Oscar Blues. Full on pitch. Yeah. Wow, man. 88. You're ready to go. Cross country 88. Put in the airport. There you go. You can take growlers, get growlers to go. Yeah. You need that in Portland. All right. Well, I wish I was as quick on the fly. That's fantastic. <laughs> I want actually. I want to jump on your your ship now. Right. Sorry, Barack. We'll have to we'll have to open a brewery another time because Alex got the whole business figured out already. <laughs> Cross country eighty eight coming soon to Tampa Airport, twenty twenty two. So funny. Cross country eighty eight. 
<laughs> you put a lot of thought into that one. I actually just came up with that, to be honest. I hadn't thought of it, really. <laughs> That's fantastic. You're quick, man. Yeah, it's quick. Sometimes. Sometimes my brain works. Sometimes I think I good. got passed up on that question. I'll just say, assuming this is yeah. Gordon Ramsay or Anthony Bourdain, it's probably going to be just some curse word. You can say it if you want. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. It'll be... Uh, we have to think about it. You Buy know? a fucking beer, mate! Something like that. <laughs> Or local, if we're Brene, it'd be like, locals only, fuck face. names he comes up with all, for all of his two chefs. It would almost be great, uh, you know, if it's Gordon Ramsay, we can use some kind of, uh, like, British kind of curse that I don't even, see, I'd have to ask him. Bugger. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Bugger, bugger bar. beer bar. Completely buggered or something like that. I'm still waiting for this presidential answer. Though. I know, I can't think of an, I'm not very creative, you guys. My brain is tired today. Hey, you're a marketing guy. What would you name Barack Obama's beer bar? Barack Obama's beer bar? Uh, O's House. O's House. O's House. O-Town. O-Town. Probably have to be something Chicago. So it'd probably just be like Goose Island or something like that. Goose Island? I think it was taken. <laughs> no, you just partner with Goose Island. It'd be easier. Or Revolution. Revolution Brewing. Isn't Re- Goose Island a BMF? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Chicago based though. So I don't want to partner with them. No. Actually, uh, Barack Obama's beer player. bar, Southside Brews. Southside Brews. That would work. Barack, Barack's bar. Right by his presidential library. Beast Place. The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would feature extensive Chicago <laughs> breweries, I think. Yeah. Probably be it. Deep Dish Pizza. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that sounds good. Bye, Amy. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that covers it for today. We got a lot. We got a lot going on there. That Does anyone have any parting time. words for us? Uh. Drink life behind bars. Yeah. It's good. It's Try true. it. It's super good. That's good. Uh, yeah. I hope you like it. If not, you can come yell at me, but <laughs> there's not a whole lot I can do about it. Now you can email <laughs> I love at ironhorsebrewery.com. <laughs> go straight to the people. Free spirits. There you go. Tire tracks. Yeah, read the can. There's a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> so on the funny. Can. Um, yeah. But really, try it out. It's good. Yeah. And uh, don't age it a pale ale over a year. Just Mm-mm. don't do it. Drink, drink it right away. Drink it within 90 days if you must. Um, and keep it cold. All right. Uh, that does it for us this week on Lamp Wine Beer. Uh, if you want, you can reach out to us. Oh, we still need questions. Any questions, questions, questions. Write me in. Answer questions. Podcast, ironhorsebrewery.com. For better know the brewery, we need your questions. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to be in on the fun. So be sure to take care of that. And be sure to subscribe. Hit that button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us. Tune in wherever just rate and review us help us pick up heat help us get more people out there turn on this so they can learn fun stuff from Sabrina and Wes and myself and whoever else comes on we're having a good time so should you and uh yeah that's it for today we gotta get back to the brewing beer but uh thanks for tuning in you've been listening to Lifetime Bar Lifetime Beer <laughs> sometimes when I drink and do radio you cut off <laughs> Life Mind Beer. That's what you've been listening to, a podcast by Iron Horse Brewery. And uh, thanks for checking us out. Have a great day. Bye.